everyone, and welcome to Paul and Moses Play, a celebration of games and play, and a deep dive into video games and what make them so special to us. I'm your host, Paul Berberich, and with me, as always, is Dr. Moses Wolfenstein. Hello, Moses. Hello, Paul. We're back. We are back indeed. And how are you this fine evening? I'm good. You know, it just dawned on me that given you intru- your introduction of me as, as Dr. Moses Wolfenstein, that I'm kind of like the, the Watson to your homes. Uh, well, yeah, actually. You know, in a vague sense. In a vague sense. Um, in a, in a, in a, in a, <laughs> in a, in a, in a, a non-title uh, sense. So let's strike doctor from it and let's go based on just our personalities, oh, intellect, yeah. what have you. Uh, then where, uh, where does it fall? I, I'd have to give you the nod for Holmes at, at first blush. At, at first brush, perhaps, but there's two things I'll introduce. One is that there's a, undoubtedly a different duo that would be a better fit for this comparison, given our personalities and such. I'm not sure. sure what they are off the top of my head, but if you really want to get into the, you know, the characteristic side of both, both Watson and, and uh, Holmes, <laughs> like, yeah, I don't think either of us is much of either of them. No, I, I think in terms of like uh, willingness for some amount of self-destruction uh, that I might embody Holmes, a, a little bit more, although you and I have both I certainly engaged. We've both had our dalliances, to be that. sure. I, and then in the context of games and, uh, you know, expertise of play, mm, mm. then I definitely give you the edge where it's like, you know, Watson is pretty competent at his uh, capability to detect and observe, um, but nowhere near Holmes's uh, capability, right? Right. So uh, I don't know. It's a stretch. It just struck me as kind of funny. But leaving that aside, I'm doing pretty good. It's been a pretty wild week in terms of work, but um, I think that's settling down now. Okay. Yeah, we're uh, planning for a mostly full return to campus in the spring. And given the cycle of such things in the academic world, that means people are starting to try and schedule who's teaching what now, which, uh, oh, man. <laughs> it's it's a pretty wild world out there. Uh, we, like a lot of campuses, are going to be doing a lot more of what is called either hybrid or blended classes, uh, mm-hmm. which are some portion, mostly, typically 50% on campus, 50% like asynchronous online, no live meetings. Um, and uh, But for us, that means my faculty, who've been able to skip it so far, if they want to be able to teach that format, uh, they still got to be certified. It's yeah. still a distance education course. They're not allowed to go in their freewheeling just because they taught under COVID conditions uh, on Zoom for, for a year and a half. So, okay. um, yeah, I guess that makes sense. It Trust me. <laughs> it's very necessary. It's a yeah. key part of my job, uh, which is all about ensuring, well, there are a few things, but that part is all about ensuring the quality of yeah. who's teaching online uh, so that you don't have a situation where, say, um, you know, a professor like, posts some readings and has a couple of papers and is like, get them to me whenever. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, as it turns out, that's really not a good learning experience for most people. <laughs> right. I, if you sign up for like a correspondence course, like going back to the days of yore where you'd like receive your book in the mail and everything. Sure. But that's not what we're talking about these days. So anyway, that's been my week. It's been bogged down in, um, in a lot of process, but I think I'm uh, getting towards the other end of that tunnel. Um, also, incidentally, uh, speaking of getting to the other end of that tunnel, I'm darn close to the end of the suffering game arc. Oh, boy. <laughs> I love that one. 
and that has been a heck of a tunnel to get through but yeah uh, yeah yeah it's in that final uh the final boss fight okay yeah yep, poor, yep. poor merle he really Merle, he just went down he just went down on it <laughs> i love how griffin turns the other two and he's like you just saw merle go down how do you feel about this his dad's like wait what how do they feel about this i just died <laughs> yeah and actually that in addition to that i i was thinking about just how much he has to sacrifice he took on uh, such like he hit the wheel real hard yep so yeah yep. some minor pseudo spoilers for any of you who have not done the uh, adventure game podcast from the beginning and who may be uh, interested in starting it just ignore everything we just said but it, <laughs> it's probably going to be pretty much nonsense by the time you get there because honestly it's a lot of episodes it's there like episode are. 50 or something i don't know yeah um well i wanted to ask uh, i noticed uh, you were playing uh, apex uh the other night i wanted to ask uh, how that's going with you before we get to that though i also wanted to ask uh if you've heard of an author named uh stuart turton and his book, uh, The Seven Deaths of Evelyn Hardcastle. Um, I have or, not. Um, and uh, so apparently, well, I won't, I won't go too much into that, but uh, I was listening to a podcast about it and he wrote a follow-up book um, called The seven Devil- Seven and a Half Deaths? Wait, oh wait, no. No, it is The Seven and a Half Deaths in the US, I guess. Oh, in the UK okay. it was, so I don't know where that extra half death comes from maybe they're rounding up to imperial measurements or something um but uh, uh he has another book called uh the devil and the dark water and in this book like holmes and watson are on a, a ship a, a passenger ship and like holmes gets accused of a crime and locked in the brig and then it's up to watson with his lesser skills at all that to figure it out and prove the innocence of homes and i've heard they're both incredible books so and the book is the ship is called the Oberdin. oh wait no <laughs> exactly <laughs> that sounds well worth the read i'm definitely putting that one on uh, completely uh you know tangential to the podcast but i do keep my lists of non-games media to dig into as well and before uh before we uh touch on apex i mean honestly uh i, I plan on talking a little bit about that all later in the podcast ah interesting uh, how are things going on your end uh, things are going pretty well. Uh, yeah, just house stuff. It's, you know, oh man, it's, it's a little frustrating. I'm, I mean, I think in the abstract, I'm glad that these institutions exist. I'm sure they do more harm than good, but like the city of Madison saying that we can't use like vinyl windows, uh, mm. because it's a historic house. Oh, um, and I guess my one frustration there is like, it seems like everyone's fine with letting this place fall into ruin and be absolutely disgusting, <laughs> but we want to come along and like make it a nice house. And they're like, no, it has to remain this shitty painted in window. Uh, or, or if you want to spend three times the amount, then you can have the approved for like the materials, hook, like not hook, whatever the, um, yeah. Yeah. I'm our listeners cannot see me gesturing, trying to describe with my hands a wheel and string situation. <laughs> simple, a simple tool, if if nothing else. Um, but uh, it is a simple tool. It is one yes. of the simple tools, but uh, it is not, in fact, known as the wheel and string. But uh, I'm, I'm a revisionist <laughs> in this particular regard. So, uh, so yeah, that's been uh, you know, uh, Joanna's uh, you know been been tackling a lot of a lot of that um, and. I start my new uh, position at the co-op, the, the grocery store co-op I work at. Uh, I'm going to start doing uh, buyer 
position in produce. Um, that is super I'm, exciting. Yeah, pretty excited about that. A, a quite hefty pay bump yeah. with that. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll miss kind of the running around on the floor and chopping up stuff uh, like I used to. But, hey, I, I'm there for the paycheck uh, mostly. So I would just like to note that I now have a mental image of you with like a machete, like running around the floor <laughs> of a grocery, just like chopping up arbitrary things. Yeah, or like encroaching vines from the, the, the wilderness outdoors. Precisely, wilderness which, outdoors. Uh, unfortunately, we uh, are not responding to a make my game prompt. If we were, we would be well on our way to something that could be pretty good. <laughs> we would, so we would. Filing that one away for, for a later time. And I know there's been some Dark Souls 3, but I don't know if you might be touching on that later in the pod. Uh, not, uh, not really. Um, yeah, I finished the uh, final boss of the DLC. Bittersweet, because it's like it's all over now, and it's one of the coolest fights. It's mm. like beating Artorius. Uh, ah, yeah, because Gwyn is like such um such a, a letdown. Yeah, uh, I, I know like, what you mean. Whereas the Artorius fight truly is it's a great fight. It's hard, but it never feels unbeatable. Yeah. Um, unlike certain fights in Dark Souls, <clears throat> smoke monster. Um. <laughs> But uh, wow, well, I will be looking forward to it. And uh, I have been thinking about how I'm going to need to. Uh, the only way for me to do it is really on the time commitment front. Like mm-hmm. to get the rhythm to beat these bosses requires the repetition. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, uh, you know, it's not enough to give three hacks at a boss, uh, you know, over like uh, 20 minutes or whatever it takes, depending on the length of the boss uh, of the run. That just isn't enough to get it to get it baked into where you can start sailing through the you know early parts of a fight in order to to dig into those later brutal parts of the fight. So, right. yeah. yeah, well, it'll it'll be there. Uh, it's it's not going anywhere, you know. No, it's true. Um, now the last thing I'll mention about the this fight is like it it would take another hundred hours yeah. of a fresh playthrough. To get back there it's not like i can just yeah. boot it up and go to level nine right. and do the thing like i want to fight this boss again but i don't want to spend 100 hours to get getting there. through dark souls 3 and again. although there are many fights that i'm sure you'd be happy to run through along the way you don't want to have to do all the world traversal right. all of the grind I, i'm not there's not much of dark souls that i would say really is a grind but but some of the bosses that are absolutely just not worth <laughs> yeah i mean they're like worth it once but not really worth it if it's not you know yeah i get it it's a, it's hard every time yeah <laughs> you know and that or just annoying like the crystal sage fight yeah it's not that hard the first time not yeah you, i'm not talking about the the one in the in the archives all right uh, but it's an annoying <laughs> fight and it's like ah, oh, i guess i have to go deal with that now I, yeah you know yeah, or just getting beat down by Pontiff, you know, ten times again. It's like oh. that's actually a good example of a fight that's actually it's legit hard. And yeah. if you get the timing off, it's just dumb hard, <laughs> right? Whereas, like, if you if you're hitting all of the right timing, then it's a hard fight, but it's a pretty good fight. But if you screw it up just a little bit, then it does. You know, Pontiff does one of those things that feels like an outright cheat, right? Where you're like, no. No, much like Ornstein, as I was mentioning earlier, where if you kind of screw up how you're trying to dodge, mm-hmm. he does that weird thing where he just kind of floats around for a second and then just he hits you anyway, even yep. though that's not how he normally moves at all, right? Pontiff does some of that kind of bullshit if you do something that's a little too sneaky and not the way the fight really kind of should be played. Yeah. So, anyway. It's like, I know you have two swords, but that doesn't mean you should attack nine times. 
right. in a row with like this extra long pause before that ninth attack. And then, yeah. Ah, oh, it, yeah, it is maddening. It is maddening. I'm not looking forward to the next time I have to do that fight. Uh, I, unfortunately for me, I, I will mention, when I dipped into Dark Souls uh, one of the times uh, in the last week, um, I did roll over to uh, that twin-bladed uh, uh, character. Um, yeah. Assassin, whatever they're called. Um, and I started unlocking the archives. I went that first little bit. And I actually found a ladder. I found like what's clearly supposed to be the first shortcut comes down behind the Crystal Sage. Yeah. <laughs> I hadn't even done that with, <laughs> yeah, with the Sorcerer. So I was like, yeah, you know, I can just kind of keep nudging this character along sure. too. So that if I feel like kind of pushing pushing him through the, the back end of the game, he'll kind of be in the wings. Nice. Yeah. Cool. I well, think that was that... after getting my, my ass handed to me by both uh, Champion uh, Gundir? Uh, no, what's... Uh, yeah, Gundir. Gundir, yeah. And and the two princes. And being like, I went to the two princes because honestly, I was having such bad luck with my roles on Gundir. Mm-hmm. He's much harder than his predecessor. Oh, it's yeah. not just a question of scaled power. The way he delivers his strikes is actually, it's, a, it's, a, you can't do a simple dodge. Like you right. basically cannot do a backwards dodge because of the way that he winds up and delivers. You can't back away from him. Hmm. Just, yeah. oh. So I was like, okay, that's enough of this guy for now. I'm sure he's very beatable, but I'm just not hitting it at the moment. Let me go at least like get warmed up on, on the princes again. And then after a few times with them, I was like, you know what? Let me just get, do something where I can make a tiny bit of progress. Yeah. <laughs> That makes sense. Yeah, it felt good. Oh, and one other incidental on the Dark Souls topic. I did with that, a pyromancer I have on, on Dark Souls, uh, knock out the gargoyles in a one-shot the other evening. Nice. Um, which, you know, shouldn't be too much of a thing. I made a mistake after that. Oh. A regrettable mistake that might lead me to abandon that character and start a new one. Oh. It might have involved pressing the right trigger button when I really shouldn't have been attacking. Yep. The moment, yeah, you, you, you attacked Oswald of, of Kareem? I attacked Oswald of Kareem, and yep. there's, I, I had to look it up. It's not like I haven't played the game before. I was like, is there any undoing this? And people are like, nope, you're screwed. You might as well kill him. You can now be invaded by, uh, by people who are like, I don't exactly understand what the, but you've sinned once you have yeah. a sin. Yeah. yeah. It opens you out to a different type of invasion, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, I forgot about that. So I don't know. I need to research that a little bit more before I decide, okay, if this is a PVP thing, maybe it's a risk I'll manage and just, after all, it's just a, you know, another run through. Or maybe I'll just spin up a fresh Dark Souls character and let this one. Yeah, because you're not, you're not that far. It's, it's... Oh no, it's not very far at all. I can get back to those gargoyles real fast. I just felt so dumb. It's interesting that you aggroed the one NPC who can forgive you for aggroing NPCs. The other NPC. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I All know. the rotten luck. Yeah, yeah. I just was like a little sloppy holding my controller in that moment. I like turned around to pick up a drink to have a sip or something mm-hmm. and like let slip on the right trigger. And uh, oh, well. that is too funny. Yeah, <laughs> it was pretty funny. It was pretty funny. I was like, no, please tell me I can somehow reset this moment. It's Dark Souls. You can't. Well, then again, normally you could. You can be forgiven for attacking an NPC, but only Oswald can forgive you. Can forgive you. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But, you know, honestly, like if I decide to, I mean, if, if I don't decide to, um, if I decide to keep playing this character, it's not like I'm not going to spin up another character at some point and run them up with gargoyles or her. Right. It's inevitable. Them. And you can always play offline as well and not have to worry about invasions at all. Well, that's true. Good point. Yeah. 
Well, uh, anyway, that's a pretty good amount of preamble. And as I said, uh, you can probably push me on Apex a little later. Okay. Yeah. Let's uh, hop right into game ranks. And Moses, tell me about your rank this week. It's some ranks. This week, I'm going to throw in a game that you introduced me to, which uh, has happened before on this podcast and will happen again, uh, given your uh, definitely influential role in, uh, in my gaming habits. Um, this is a game. Uh, this is the second uh, arcade game that, uh, that I'm introducing into my ranks, which probably you already know what it is then, um, that I haven't played since I was in Madison. And mm-hmm. I won't be able to play again too soon but i'm sure it's somewhere in los angeles probably more than one a killer queen yes killer queen coming in at 26 for me uh i didn't really feel like it needed to knock anything other than texter down the list and um (laughs) yeah i've got a lot of unranked games that could easily kind of slide in somewhere and some of them will come in even higher on the list but i was like after jackbox uh party pack three i just felt like killer queen this was a good spot to get it into the list right now it's such a great game. It's yeah. such an outstanding experience. It is so unique, you know, um, as a 10 player arcade cabinet um, that sure can be played with it's 10, right? Uh, yeah. what, five on five, five on five. Yeah. Yep. Anyway, it's a lot of people standing in an arcade cabinet. It's got built in drink holders, right? Tells you a lot about the intent of the design and the awareness of designing a modern arcade cabinet game. And it just, it has learned from both arcade cabinet games and home console games to produce something that is retro stylish, uh, but not retro clunky. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like the art style in it is is going to be just consistently something that can be enjoyed by anyone who doesn't demand more realistic looking pixels or voxels or whatnot. Um, and which has just such buttery smooth controls. Mm-hmm. And I mean, what a great head-to-head experience, like the upsets and just those moments when, you know, when you, when you like either get that berry in or when you take out the, the opposing queen or like those queen versus queen moments. I mean, yeah. it's, such a, it's such a great game. I know at some point things will be settled down public health-wise enough that I can track down where Killer Queen is in LA and then I'll have to rally people to play, but I don't think that'll be too hard because... Uh, Wherever it is, it won't be convenient for any of us, so we'll all have to drive there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I won't have the benefit, um, unless I have a designated driver like in Madison, of uh, you know, going to uh, to the I/O and uh, being able to like yeah, get pretty buzzed, get get pretty into it. Um, although the I/O's beer prices were like steeper than your average Madison bar, so at the same time that was always a constraint <laughs> as well. Uh, but Killer Queen just such a, a superior example of, of contemporary game design and uh, such an enjoyable and unique game. I wanted to get it up in my ranks. Yeah, yeah, absolutely uh, agreed. And I look back fondly on on our time with that game, you know, especially like packed in like sardines, you know, because it's five on five, but you're, you're shoulder to shoulder, elbow you're to shoulder elbow. To shoulder. There's not a lot of room there. I with mean, your... Yeah, with your teammates and uh, and then just all of the the methods of of victory and mm-hmm. the way that they play off each other and keep things interesting, you know, like the snail victory. Uh, I was just thinking the snail victory, the rarest victory. Yeah, there's just but this... when you can manage to get so much focus on everything else that you pull it out. Yeah, and just the the drama and tension of that when you are slowly riding this snail to the opposite side of the screen, and you know you can eat a misfortunate uh they're like a half bear half bee 
mm-hmm. I, I think is is the idea and you can eat uh <laughs> eat them uh and uh and then just the the platforming even if you're just grabbing berries like the platforming feels so good and it's so precise but also there's this floatiness a little bit and again yeah. attention to that you get killed and your berry goes flying and you come back and you're, you're trying, it's bobbling around and you're just trying to stuff it in that that hole um absolutely and when i said the butteriness i was really thinking about the platforming as the yeah. little bear bees be bear yep. <laughs> it's not that the the queen uh or the uh the whatever knights the flying versions of uh of them are not also like a really good feeling control and of course i've got joust even higher on the list so it's right. a factor um but uh but it's such a good feeling platformer which is like a stunning thing to experience something so retro on an arcade cabinet with some nice old timey joystick control action yeah yeah great great addition to your list my man um for myself this week uh it is a game i I had to look in my yahoo uh my old yahoo email account um it's a game that i first bought on july 6th of 2010 okay and this is minecraft Oh wow! Do I yep. not even have it on my unranked yet? So yeah, Minecraft. I, I I'm like actually shocked that um or did I? No, I've ranked Minecraft. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you had. Yeah. 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 Excellent. Yeah. Okay, I'm surprised you had didn't have it in there because you've actually spent far more Minecraft hours than I have. I have, and actually, before I go on, I this reminded me of something I was thinking about, and I wondered, will we ever, <laughs> will we ever rank the same game on the same episode? It could happen. It could happen, although, you know, I, I feel like the chances of it diminish as we get further and further down our unranked lists. Or does it, or do they, or does it increase? Uh, maybe, maybe. It's hard to say. It is hard to say. Yeah, it uh-huh. is truly hard to say. <laughs> um, and I'm not going to actually say anything else mm-hmm. because uh, by mentioning specific games that could be candidates for that, it will either increase or decrease that probability. True. And I'm just, I, I like the way you've just floated this question out there. Yeah, we'll, we'll leave I'm it pure. Um, and yeah, I mean, we've talked, uh, quite a bit about Minecraft. Uh, so, uh, similar to last week, I, I won't delve in too much, but just some, some notes I had, you know, it's, it's the ultimate exploration game. Uh, it still feels good to explore. You see a dark cave and you wonder what's inside and it's going to be new every single time. And yeah. it always stimulates that, uh, that itch there, uh, or, or scratches it, um, and then making uh, making an upgrading gear always feels good. Like just going from a stone pickaxe to an iron pickaxe, yeah. you immediately get the results of like, oh man, I am chewing through this mountain now. Uh, it almost has like um, uh, uh, proprioceptive is not the right word, a tactile yeah. quality to it. Yeah, you immediately feel it's like, oh, now now we're doing it. Um, and then I've always loved how dangerous the world is and how yeah. scary it can be like the the scares have sort of you know diminished a bit over the years as i've gotten more more used to it but like y- you can be in a situation where you are running for your life and you have your nice gear on and you're far from home or you're like foolishly like i was going for this i forget something in the nether and i have like my amazing gear on and i'm just being stupid because there's lava underneath me and there are those big uh, ghasts or whatever they are. I'm like, I'm fine. This is fine. And then I get blown off the ledge and it's all gone. <laughs> it's all gone. Everything. There's no retrieving any of it, right? Yep. 
it, there's a new uh, type of gear called netherite that actually floats in lava. Uh, ah. But it's obviously, it's like better than diamond. So it's extremely difficult to craft. Um, yeah. And I assume you have to mine it in the nether. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then. I understand there's a new stone called uh, like dripstone or something. Yeah. There's a bunch of new. So yeah, you can get uh, some, some stalactites and stalagmite uh, action going on. Sweet. Yeah. Um, this, it would be really hard for me to say what the best soundtrack in a game ever is. It would probably have to go to Final Fantasy IX if, if I had to, but it might be Minecraft. Like this might be the best video game soundtrack ever created. I mean, Final Fantasy has a really strong play for it because it keeps getting like orchestral mm -hmm. <laughs> concert arrangements and everything. And there was like literally just a, a news article I read about this recently. But uh, personally, uh, since I don't have any emotional attachment to Final Fantasy music, I'm with you on Minecraft. It's an outstanding soundtrack. Yeah. Um, and then Joanna currently has a project. She has this giant map wall that mm. she's making um, of the most zoomed in level of, of map. So it's very detailed. And she devised this whole mathematical way uh, to be as efficient as possible as she's doing it where like, I like that kind of stuff, but if I were doing it, I would just be running around willy nilly. And, but no, right. she figured this out. Um, and uh, I'm sure at some point in the not too distant future, we'll, we'll, we'll have you on our realm. Yeah, I got it. I got to get on. Uh, yeah. It's got to happen sometime in the next, before the end of 2021, which, uh, you know, if I'd said that a couple of months ago, it'd be like, oh, I guess that's a ways off, but we're, <laughs> we're oh, almost man. in October. So honestly, yeah, before the end of this year, for sure, I'll get Minecraft running on uh, either the PlayStation uh, or my laptop so I can can jump on in there with y'all. Yeah. Um, and the last thing I'll mention is uh, this project that we had uh, sort of during sort of the heights of, of COVID just called The Dig. And, uh, you know, I, I just determined this big wide area and myself, Nick, Joanna a little bit, just dug straight down to bedrock and gradually mined out the whole thing. And now we have this giant, giant hole in the ground. And like Nick made an observation platform and it was just very meditative and very chill. And you could be in this space and kind of be social, but you're not chatting much. You're not on voice chat, but you are working towards this goal together. And it was just a very nice feeling. Nice. That's man. Wish I'd been on then. Yeah. <laughs> ah. Well, there's there's another part of the dig where uh, I started going horizontally okay. down at bedrock and then, you know, kind of petered out a, a bit, but uh, we could easily fire that back up. Oh, you're still running on the same map. Yep. Okay. I figured that that somewhere in the course of, uh, of the pandemic, you might have have refreshed, but uh, no. not so much rad. Uh, well, yes, yeah. I really need to pop in because uh just to see what you all have done. I'm sure it's pretty, pretty freaking phenomenal at this point. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Very cool. So yeah, that is Minecraft. It is my new number 25. Excellent. Yes, indeed. A worthy spot. A worthy, worthy spot. Uh, and uh, do you have this thought when you put games in certain like spots? Obviously, in this case, we're like, these are, this is just kind of uh, the natural progression. It knocked something out of the, out of the way. But I, I did have this thought um, with, uh, as I was putting Killer Queen in and I was like looking at Jackbox and I was like 25, huh? It makes me think about like 10 and five. And like, if I wind up ranking something further up the list, uh oh, but what does that do to some of the downstream like things that feel like they're in a good spot overall? I don't know. 
Yeah, no, I, I feel the same way. Like Minecraft, it feels like it deserves to be 25th and yeah. like Animal Crossing, uh, which I love to death. Like I was trying to get it into my top 10 and yeah. I, you know, I couldn't, <laughs> but, I uh, but yeah, I feel you on that. I think that my mind especially went there since Minecraft is at 20 for me. And it's similarly like, oh, it's one of these nice even numbers. You know, it's a it's a 10 like, uh, you know, huh? But what if? So right. anyway. Uh, cool. Let's uh, press ahead then to our next segment of the show. What I love about. Um, and uh, Moses, what do you love about this week? So um, what I love about it's uh, about how gamers with babies will play a game with the baby. <laughs> and I don't mean like the baby is playing the game and I don't mean they're playing games with their baby. I mean, like whether it's Warcraft or Minecraft or Apex. Mm-hmm. And this is the first time it's happened to me with Apex last night which is why I told you I was going to give you a hook where if you wanted to ask me more questions. Um, you just wind up with somebody over on the other end of the mic, whether a friend or a stranger, who's talking to their baby or toddler. <laughs> and like, they're still perfectly engaged with the game. And it's like this man, magnificent. I mean, granted, there's the like the horrific version of this, which where there was that, that baby that died in neglect while their parents were playing WoW in like Korea, right. or I think it was. Um, and I'm sure there have been some equally bad things that have happened in the US with regards to uh, people in, in the compulsion addictive state with a game uh, and neglect. But this is obviously the opposite of this. It is balancing your love for your hobby with your love for your offspring. And then like a little context. Uh, and Helico watched, and I watched a movie last night called The Starling on Netflix. Um, it's it's good. It is designed to tug at heartstrings. Mm-hmm. Um, great cast. Melissa McCarthy and Chris O'Dowd are like the couple. Um, and uh, Kevin Klein is in it. And he's fantastic. I hadn't seen him in anything in years. Um, I'm not going to go into details about the movie plot. It's not terribly relevant, uh, except to say that, um, you know, there was some stuff that was like upsetting enough that I've like, I decided I actually was not ready to go to sleep after we'd kind of wound down and watched the daily show after that i was like i need a game a little bit i need to just shake my mind in a different direction Mm -hmm. which is how i wound up in the last match of the night with all the ups and downs of like ah fuck it no that was terrible i'm gonna play one more match arriving in a match that was absolutely satisfying as the last match with these two guys who were on mic with each other and it was i would have turned on my mic except having on helica already in bed I didn't want to disturb her. So I was like, I better just keep my mic off, which makes it a little like eavesdropping ish, but right. you know what? It's okay. They know I'm here. They're, they know I'm talking. They're given directions for the team in addition to like just shooting the breeze with each other. <laughs> and this man is arguing with his little girl. He's like, no, no, do not try and grab the controller. <laughs> and grab the controller again. I'm going to put you down. <laughs> and like, she's pre-verbal clearly mm-hmm. and he's like talking to his friend he's like oh yeah no she clearly she knows what she's doing she gave me that look and then she looks away when i talk to her and i'm just <laughs> dying i'm like trying not to laugh out loud and just bust up and we had a pretty good game we made it to like i don't know final five or six maybe something like that um and i think it was the guy with the baby who when two of us went down in a in a bad moment managed to like grab our, our tags and like carry to a respawn location um where you know it's always a tough shot to come back 
in, in a moment like that in Apex because you're respawning in with zero gear. Well, not mm -hmm. zero gear. They did change that. You at least have a body shield and um, you know, like a med kit, some med kits and, and shields, <laughs> but no weapons. Right. And, you know, if you're doing, if this is happening late game, like everyone else is kitted out with, with everything they need. So you've got one kitted out individual and two others landing with like nothing on them. So the end was a foregone conclusion, but it was such a delightful match. It felt like a really good note to end on. It did then take me a little more time to get to sleep because, you know, a little bit of adrenaline going. Right. Um, but man, I just, I just love hearing a, a grown adult, you know, with their, their little baby or toddler whether you, like as long as they're not uh, the baby or toddler is not making that incredible piercing noise at different <laughs> eardrums, um, which also eight year olds sometimes do, but that's even worse because they're like on the mic decimating your eardrums. Uh, no, I do I do love that. I love that it's like I see this as great parenting. Yeah, and you know the future gamers of of America, and presumably it's. No enjoyable for them i mean they they want in on it so it, it yeah. has to be uh stimulating in, in that way for sure yeah no definitely my friend erwin used to play wow with uh with his son noah on his lap um and uh, and noah was very into it he got a little too into it where um you know he started like being like ah trying to chop at things and stuff so <laughs> had to kind of take a break from wow for a little bit because he was too much of an excitable excitable little boy so we needed to kind of break that little uh, uh, bit of, of mirror neuron uh, action going on there. But um, but similar, similar type of thing, like being very engaged with your toddler and your friends at the same time. Mm -hmm. it's, you know, it's just good times. It's uh, remarkably wholesome, especially in the context of, <laughs> of, of otherwise pretty violent games. Nice. Uh... Yeah. And uh, on, on the note of, of Apex, uh, it's been a, a little bit since we've chatted uh yeah i wondered how how your your journey with that game is treating you these oh days. man so i'm almost done with this battle pass which is why i haven't been making as much time this last week specifically for other games because i'm like mm -hmm. fuck it i want to grind out the battle pass there's still like 30 more days on the season which means that i can really like back pocket apex except for whatever this halloween event that i'm sure is going to happen a lot of people have been complaining about various technical issues with the game i'm not even going to get into that that's just standard fare but in terms of my own play um it's been going well i had a my a standout match the other night um where this is like impressive for me it's the first time that i've gotten four kills and over 800 damage in a match and like and our and our squad was distributed pretty evenly in terms mm -hmm. of kills and damage it was very successful and we came down to top two we didn't manage to clinch the win but it was like definitely i'm like okay yeah i made another one of those little hurdles skill wise um where i'm like because I've, I've been at a point where I'm like, okay, I'm comfortable with my skill. I can enjoy this game at this level. I've talked about that previously. I've also, I think, finally started to hone in on, do I have a main? Uh, and my main probably is Lifeline, the combat medic. Um, I'm never going to be as good as the best or even the good players that I, that I get dropped in with, um, seeing as, you know, I'm playing pubs and you get all kinds of wide mix of skill levels. Um, but as my skill comes up, by playing support um, and knowing how how good play works well enough, I'm finding that I can have some of my most satisfying games that way. Now the trade-off is if you have no idea, you don't you have no idea. And so if you are are leaning into that support character and you're paired with some some trash, 
then it's like the opposite of that because you you are a little bit more limited um, yeah. in in your ability to break out and and have some good moments. I mean, anyone will tell you it's the RNG combined with your ability to move a name. Um, and so to, to a certain extent, like what I'm saying is not true. Almost any character, it depends on your ability to move a name. And the two characters that move slowly have compensation for that, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, but nonetheless, the characters are built with different different skills for a reason. And yeah. so, yeah, when you're when you're playing a support character and you're playing with really good players and you can effectively help them and like get off good revives and like get off good heals, you know, dropping your 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 doc healing bot. Um, and and generally do the thing where you're holding back just a little bit, but you're supposed to, your support, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really satisfying for me. Uh, it's I guess it's kind of a surprise that it took me this long to realize it, given that in TF2, playing the medic was always one of my favorites anyway. Yeah. So. That's where I've always uh, gravitated as well. I, I played Lifeline in my time in Apex because, yeah, I know that I'm not and probably never will be as good uh, with the aiming and, and moving. Yeah. But uh, And... But that's fine. You know, a lot of people don't want to play support because for various reasons they, they are better or, or what have you. Um, so it's nice to feel like there is a role for for someone like me. Yeah, and honestly, one thing that's somewhat broken about Apex right now is that um, there's very limited lifeline is, in my opinion, the only truly effective support character at the moment. Uh, there are other good characters for for doing a res, mm-hmm. but um, or revive rather, but they're not. Um, they're not really support characters in terms of their build otherwise so you know i that's something i'm hoping that they'll they'll get to in one of the coming seasons add another support character that you know is another healer that does it just differently to provide mm-hmm. something different and interesting because certainly in many of the other roles that's that's the case it's like you can make a choice to play this or that or the other character they all do kind of comparable things but they do them very differently yeah so like this season they added another recon character you know, Seer, he's ve- he's very different in terms of how he does recon um, from uh, from crypto or bloodhound, but um, but uh, or Valkyrie, who I don't think personally, I, I play Valkyrie a lot. She's actually one of my other main characters. She's the one from last season. I don't think she's truly a recon character. She's kind of a hybrid who has a little recon thrown in the mix. But uh, but yeah, it'd be nice to see them add another support character and give some some different, more interesting options to to do different kinds of support. Mm-hmm. So that's where I'm at with Apex and also where babies are at with Apex. (laughs) Right, right. Uh, Great. Well, uh, for me this week, what I love about the Outer Wilds is Ah, the new DLC, Echoes of the Eye, uh, which I will refrain from uh, speaking uh, about uh, in any detail because obviously it's something that that you're still going to play at some point. Um, But what I wanted to mention, and I think I probably touched on this when I talked about Outer Wilds before, but it was a good reminder, is how the game is purely uh, curiosity-based. Hmm. Like, you will see a, a thing in a in a new building, and it tells you about, oh, we're, we're doing this, and then this uh, weird thing kind of happened. And it, it doesn't say, like, go go look into it. It doesn't say, here's how to recreate this. Like you think laterally and then you experiment and Ah. you don't know if you're going to be right or not. Um, You know, a lot of the puzzles aren't incredibly difficult or or cerebral. So more often than not, 
you you were right. Like the game deliberately sets up this hunch, but uh, just the fact that it's it's the solar system and you are not uh, given uh, a a directive except explore. And you explore and you see this thread and you start pulling on it. Uh, but meanwhile, there's a dozen other threads, uh, but it's like, where does your curiosity pull you? And, you know, I did the thing last night to sort of get into the DLC proper and my hunch was correct. And then I saw the thing starting to happen and, and then the music changed and I was like, oh, this, <laughs> this is, this is ominous. Oh, nice. Um, so just to be back in that space and something I, I've completely lost sight of is it's kind of annoying to not know what's going on in that world, in that solar system, because you want to know so badly. And there's so many moving pieces and so many things that you could miss uh, or, or misinterpret. And it's a little uncomfortable because hmm. it's like, I need to know this i need to understand this and but each cycle you're maybe only chipping off a, a little bit at a time especially with a new thing like like the dlc um but it it just further motivates you to to explore and, and to understand more there's something that reminds me of the witness which i never finished and what you were just saying but there's also something in what you're saying that sounds not only different but significantly better than the witness and uh in terms of why i stopped playing that game mm -hmm. um like it sounds like outer wilds is the opposite of that like it's... the witness presents something that seems open like you can go and wander yeah. off and solve puzzles in kind of any order but that's really not the case there's clearly uh an intention for at least a lot of it of like you solve this set of puzzles first because otherwise you're not even going to know where to start with that other set of puzzles right right um and like so it, it almost felt like um like a broken promise hmm. yeah whereas whereas this is far more holistic and like you're you're slowly weaving together all these parts like uh, the witness isn't isn't linear but it feels it, it, it is in some ways linear in terms of, of your knowledge, but like with Outer Wilds, oh, this looks cool and I want to go over here and I'm going to learn some stuff. And that's like concrete, how it relates to the other places or to the overall narrative. I don't know yet, but you're always gaining, you're always gaining that, that knowledge and experience. It, it feels less like a brick wall that you're hitting. Sure. No, that's actually... What, what you're describing makes me think of uh, everybody knows about inductive reasoning and uh, deductive reasoning. Um, there is a third form of reasoning called abductive reasoning. Hmm. Um, so inductive versus deductive, building up uh, versus uh, drilling down, essentially. I'm really shorthanding that. But abductive is, a, what, what this reminds me of is like it, looking at a constellation of different bits of of evidence um, and being able to assemble the pattern from them, mm -hmm. right? Deduction you're removing and, and, and taking away. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated <laughs> by now, this. You're, you're now furiously Googling this because you're like, oh, that's, yeah, as our, as our listeners will, I'm sure as well, at least some of them who, who maybe are not familiar with abductive reasoning. Yeah, and you said everyone knows about inductive reasoning. I'm I'm afraid everyone minus one because I <laughs> <laughs> I had never actually heard of that before. But uh, that's fascinating. Let alone uh, abductive reasoning. 
Um, so I will leave that tab open for later because uh, I, I'm, I'm all about that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, uh, you know, already on my list. It's a masterpiece uh, and I can't wait to discuss it with you because to discuss anything is, is talk about a sin in a game. I mean, that uh, there's no yeah. Oswald to forgive me for that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, let us then press ahead into our next segment. It's tell me about. this week Moses and if uh, if this is something that you would rather not uh, publicly uh, unveil at this point uh, fully understood but I wondered if you could tell me about your uh, match three game that you oh sure had been yeah, working no, I'd, on. I'd be happy to um, it's been in uh, in a state of stasis uh, for a while uh, Nick and and Max and I began work on um, uh, on this game back in 20. 19 no 2018 back in 2018 mm -hmm. yeah that would that would make more sense although max and i technically began design documentation work on it oh god 2015 maybe mm -hmm. so um there's no doubt that one of the major major influences um for this game is uh my magic clash of heroes in that that game hit me and i was like oh wow what a cool use of match three where it's not just bejeweled, right? Where yeah. it's like, um, and I still haven't played Puzzle Quest, which I understand might also fit into um, that that broader genre of using Match Three for different purposes. Um, so the current state of it, there are uh, kind of two different parts. There's the, the game engine, which which Nick developed uh, with with our support. I would say Max and I supported Nick in developing it, but. Uh, you know, he's he's really the, the the software engineer of the of the project um, to date. Uh, the Max Terra engine currently dubbed in honor of Max. Nice. Um, and then there is the game Tetraforma, um, and the concept of Tetraforma uh, is a little bit is using tetraminos as the the basic constructs, and that each of the tetraminos uh, represents a different type of resource that you are claiming. Uh, and that these resources play off of each other. And it is a competitive um, kind of Forex esque, but not really mm -hmm. uh, a game. It's obvious, it's like, you know, there, there's a level of Civ influence behind it, where uh, as each player uh, takes their turn, they have the opportunity to, to place to essentially swap out a few blocks. And the blocks are like forest, river, city, et cetera. Um, and uh, we've, there's a lot of things we've played around with, a lot of mechanics we've already discarded. Um, even though, again, none of this has happened recently. Um, but we'd arrived at a playable prototype uh, for, for pass play that honestly, we had really good responses uh, when we started playtesting it. Um, and I certainly found it enjoyable. Like the scoring was completely unbalanced. We had like, there's a, a long ways to go, um, but it was towards the concept that we wanted a playable prototype, prototype that was strong enough that we could then, um, you know, move into falling back and reconsidering what the engine truly needed. Mm -hmm. uh, in order to kind of make it make it per um and especially what the engine would need for it to be playable mobile yeah. um, because um uh what's it called um i'm looking at my bookshelf uh star realms for a game i haven't played in a long time was also an influence uh in terms of my thinking about the game and what i really loved about playing star realms oh god i gotta add that one to the list <laughs> 
Ah, a great and terrible game, um, card game, but the uh, the digital conversion of Star Realms, I was super, super addicted to for a while. Um, but one of the reasons I was is how you could run a bunch of different matches on like the slow turn-based mode. It's the same reason why a lot of people were mul running multiple matches of Words with Friends, but I was kind of off of Facebook yeah. right time Words with Friends hit big. Um, but uh but that's like kind of something that I saw as one possible future way of playing this game is that you've got a bunch of turn-based games running and different maps that you're returning to at different times in different states where some you're winning and some you're losing. And we have a pretty, like Max and I especially charted out a pretty complex system for an economy, um, behind game economy behind the game, <clears throat> like a meta economy of being able to do different types of collections of different uh, resources that could then you know, load into what you were potentially going to have in the next game mm -hmm. um, in your in your starter set. Although I don't know whether or not we were keeping that uh, mechanic in the most recent version, because the idea was that you'd have like an infinite amount of regular resources, uh, but then you'd have some cards that you could bring in that you basically had to unlock through play of pre-assembled uh, structures. Okay. Uh, city, a mountain range, and what have you, right? So you can build these things up um, you know, by hand um, in the game, some of them, uh, but some of them you maybe need to unlock and then you can only have them to put, put on the map by playing one of your limited cards into that map. There's so many different like game mechanic ideas that are floating in our documentation for this. Um, but the core game as it stands doesn't, doesn't really have uh, any of that stuff. And I do want to get back with Nick so that they and I can, um, can work on it. We wanted to uh, do something in honor of Max and do a game jam. Um, and it did actually lead me to this idea. I want to pick back up with them as well about, um, expanding the concept of the engine to be something that basically could support a wide, maybe near infinite variety of games based on squares, mm -hmm. um, where, uh, where each square basically has, it is, uh, maybe you call it a room in terms of what it what it's described as at, at kind of a, a, a data level. Uh, and you have these you know different properties of how they can relate to each other and different things that could be occupying them so that you could in theory make anything from a dungeon crawler to a bejeweled <laughs> to chess to possibly even a platformer maybe, um, you know, but that it would be a very a highly flexible framework for, for being able to, to make different types of games. And it actually goes back to a concept uh, that I was chatting about with another colleague, Dennis, a long time ago um, of like, what if you could have a dungeon design tool that could be used to generate everything from like a roguelike to uh, a printout for running a D&D &D game to uh, like a Zelda-like, mm -hmm. you know, and like anything in between, right? Um, so that kind of like patches into this, this bigger concept. And I mean, frankly, you know, putting this out on the podcast, if people pick this up and run with it, well, if they don't reference it, having heard it here, if they somehow arrived at some of this stuff independently, hey, good on them. Some of these concepts are not things that I would expect nobody in the world to ever, you know, convergent creation like happens. People come up with the same ideas. Otherwise, if y'all are listening to this and then you decide you want to run with this and like make it into something, just give us a, you know, give us a holler, give some credit, you know, I'm not yeah, some, some points uh, on the back end, you know, yeah. Not looking to make millions, <laughs> right? Unless you like try and shaft me, in which case, I mean, I don't know, we might get into it, but I really don't like getting lawyers involved. No, no. Uh, Saul Goodman, though, 
I wouldn't, well, wouldn't I mean, mind. Yeah. Hey, next <laughs> so time. Uh, we're, we're, we have four episodes of Breaking Bad left. Oh, my uh, God. I've never seen it. Oh, my God. I mean, it's uh, what you know, I, I, it's here, all I, been said, but I thought you were just going to, you know, say that, like, obviously, with the Max Terra engine, you can make a, a meth simulator. <laughs> I'm sure you but, could. Um, but yeah. Oh, Lord. Enough yeah. said. You know, if we ever spin off a, a pod to talk about about TV shows, <laughs> we yeah. will talk Breaking Bad then. But what a show. I only watched a few episodes of Better Call Saul. I'd like to get back to that at some point. It was not bad, just for yeah. the record. Um, but nothing can be Breaking Bad. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. But that said, speaking of bad, Paul. Yes, Moses. I want, I want you to tell me about why World Flipper is bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, World Flipper. It's a it's a gotcha game. Uh, I heard about it on a a podcast that of some people that I admire, but they're they're a little more into the gotcha element than I am. But part of that seems to be the fact that they they were both into it and they could talk about it with each other and be like, "Hey, I just got this amazing pull of these of these legendary characters," and kind of rub it in each other's faces and and brag oh. about their their good fortune. So yeah. I thought, hell, I'll start this up. It's got pretty good reviews and I'll see if Moses wants to play. And then maybe we, I can get a little taste of, of the gotcha lifestyle. Um, and it is a pinball uh, RPG of sorts where your party members are the pinball and you're whacking enemies, you're using abilities. It's, it's actually kind of inventive but um, it's kind of inventive. I didn't get uh, that far into it, but I, I didn't. Uh, it, it had me well enough to, to get into it a bit. Yeah, good. You know, pretty good production values. Um, but what it came down to is it was just a little mushy in, in the actual gameplay. I didn't feel much tactical depth. Apparently it gets harder and you eventually have to start using abilities, but I, I need the moment-to-moment gameplay to be compelling. Yeah. I, I, and that's why a game like Nier Automata, which uh, I adore certain parts of it, it's, and it's widely lauded, it's a masterpiece, you know. But the fighting just is boring because it's not really challenging and you have a bunch of different moves, but it doesn't seem to matter what move you do at any given time. You can kind of just button mash. Uh, Contrast that to Dark Souls. A guy has yeah. a shield, so I'm going to kick him to get mm-hmm. his shield out of the way and then hit him with my sword. I mean, I, I need it to be compelling in that way, you know? I actually, you know, again, not having gotten as deep into it, but I did have, I, I was starting to get that sense of like, all these characters have these different moves, but it, it doesn't seem to matter. And it doesn't have the skill requirement of like an actual pinball right. table, which I mean, it's really hard to emulate that in a video game. Yeah. Um, but it could have come closer than it does, I think, in that regard, if they'd been trying to make a slightly different game. Yeah. And so, again, I mean, yeah, maybe later on in the game, uh, having the right characters and having them with the right sidekicks or whatever, um, like, maybe that maybe that matters eventually. But it, it didn't, when, when you sent me that it was, like, bad, I was like, well, I guess I'm not going to spend any more time on it, which is <laughs> yeah. maybe too bad, because maybe if I had, we might have gotten into a little bit. Possible. A little further into it to, to experience that. Um, you know, unique loot box esque. But I, but I think your point about it not mattering what the heroes do, I think, is the fatal flaw, even for that sort of interaction. 
Yeah. Why, why am I bragging point, about actually, this? I'm just like jumping on. <laughs> yeah. On train. yeah. Like, why does it matter that I got this five-star dude? Why are either of us going to care if it doesn't have a big impact? And the other fatal flaw is, so gotcha games, you know, you want to get this awesome looking character, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and you want to like Genshin Impact. I played for a while. It seemed, it seemed kind of cool, but like you have these beautiful 3D characters running around this world. You're right. seeing them, you're watching them do their moves. In this, uh, your guys are just abstracted down into these tiny little, <laughs> little pixel art. Yeah. And it's in, a, in this ball that's creaming around the screen. Right. And you're not and so able you to see enjoy. Them in between when you're selecting characters. Right. Um, and otherwise, there's a narrative that's playing out, but then you're only going to see the characters that are part of that level. You're not even going to see whatever other characters you picked up, right. which is like a really weird disconnect, too. Incidentally, yeah. that kind of hit me early on. <laughs> Yeah, no, I know, I know what you mean. Uh, but yeah, you're not seeing the the fruits of your labor or good luck uh, in in a in a meaningful or a satisfying way. They're yeah, you know, they're tiny, they're hard to see, and that's that's a big part of why those games are are fun. So um, maybe it'll get us next time, but uh, not this time. Better luck next time. Gotcha. Uh, hey, there may be a different gotcha game that, that really does manage to get us. But yeah, World Footprint was a fun little distraction for, uh, for yeah. a weekend for me. Yeah, it was, um, it was cute. It certainly hooked me initially just because it was novel. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a good... Yeah, the idea itself is, is solid. It just, yeah, needed a little bit more. For, for I can't our help but think palettes. that uh, on, a, on a console, for instance, where the render of everything could be larger yeah. and, you know, um, <clears throat> and the pinball mechanics of it could be more i mean i hate to say it but more punishing even mm-hmm. though i might flake out on a game like that for other reasons um it would make it a more compelling skill game if like hey getting that tip of the flipper angle mm-hmm. like was the was the difference maker just like it is in real pinball that would probably make it a more compelling game too yeah yeah maybe we'll see uh, another pinball rpg down the line i'm i'm certainly game to give it another try uh well with that just just reminded me of another game that i need to add to uh to my list even though it's totally unrelated for unranked um do you want to know what it is or should i just Uh, yeah lay lay it on me just because you may want to put it in your unranked list as well it's probably gonna be a while before it makes it in the mix but super pac-man championship edition oh yeah man for some reason that just came to mind in relation to this conversation um and it might be the emulation of a classic arcade you know, cabinet experience and that game did such a fantastic job of taking a classic and like flipping it into uh something that like i really i had such a great time with that game it's going to be in the ranks uh, eventually yeah oh, that, and just the, the music and the the escalating you know you eat like 50 ghosts yes. at once and like yeah that 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 was really cool that's a good game oh you know what <laughs> let me let me give you one back with that uh geometry wars Oh my God, Geometry Wars. That also will have to get in my ranks at, at some point. Speaking of music and escalating, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh man, that's a good, that's a good ass game. Sure was. Uh, well, speaking of good ass games, it's time for our next feature of the show. It's Paul and Moses with your Blaseball Blaze update. Ball. Uh, another tiny little baby update here for you, but uh, Moses, I sent you an image. Twitter from the game band, the developers of Blaseball, uh, saying, uh, stay tuned for an update next week. 
And Ooh. last time I checked, we are now uh, halfway through this week and uh, nothing yet. So my assumption is that baseball may return uh, in October here. That's kind of my my hope. Uh, the the tweet in question, it has an eyeball. It has a hand holding a pen, a lightning bolt, and a microphone. And, uh, you know, that's, you know that's that, all we know uh, you so can far. You click on gamma and it changes colors? Yeah. <laughs> yep. It's the same for, for beta. Oh, nice. That's yep. just a fun little Easter egg. Yeah. You can make it uh, the color of your of your favorite team if you click it enough times. Oh yeah, there you go. Um, well, with that, then we will move into our final feature of the show. It is a little something called "Make My Game." Make my game. Coming this week from the game studio known as Evil Panda Productions is the game called. Educational Assault Nightmare. <laughs> okay, so first, Evil Panda sounds... That could almost be a real game studio. Yeah. I've got a few of these before, but this is one where I'm like, I'm not going to bother looking it up, uh, but it wouldn't shock me if it maybe even had been a game studio that no longer exists. <laughs> like, right. Definitely, it's, it's doing a good job there. Educational Assault Nightmare. So I think um, I, Evil Panda sounds pretty indie. Yeah, so I, I don't think we need to lean into the notion that this is going to be some kind of conventional AAA title, which is good because the title is so off the wall that I think it's probably best if we just free our minds a little bit and thinking about what educational assault nightmare might be. Yeah. To me, uh. the educational part though, I don't, I don't think this is edutainment. Like, okay. like it really, it, it really feels more like the setting. It feels okay. like we're, we're going with um, some type of a school uh, or learning related setting as, okay. as, yeah. as, as the context for it. Um, although educational does sound like it opens the doors to not necessarily just be your kind of stereotypical zombies are attacking the school kind of a situation. Right. And, and what, what would an educational assault look like? What, you know, you are being you are being assaulted by education. <laughs> what if? Wait a second. Run with me on this. Okay, so this actually completely drops the trappings of it having to be in anything like a schoolhouse. Okay, uh, and yet opens the door for all kinds of interesting educational imagery. What if we lean into the nightmare side of this title, all us psychonauts, uh, mm. which um, you know, just being feeling a little inspiration here from Arnie. Um, what if? the game is a series of anxiety dreams about different learning situations. If each level is basically a different type of anxiety dream situation, and this is what is making it assault. Yeah. And, and each dream could be its own subject, like, Absolutely. uh, you know, biology, uh, body horror, um, you know, nature you have your horrifying animals civics there's like a city with like plumbing or <laughs> plumbing issues or you know other sorts of socioeconomical so you actually have the room to have wildly different mechanics on each of the levels because each levels there it's not i granted that's a big it's a big lift but um but we're not going to be concerned with the realities of of that in this situation so like you could have a history level that is like 
you're stuck playing poker with famous historical figures, um, except the real part of the level is that you need to salvage your ego as they belittle you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like so it. you're balancing playing a poker game that mostly is like pseudo scripted because you're in the process of, of essentially losing, but to win the level is actually to find ways to come up with comebacks to Abraham Lincoln when he smack talks you at the poker table. So yeah, we could have like a text tree kind of thing with, with different answers and like likes and dislikes that, that go up and down over time. Exactly. But just for that level, right? No other right. level runs with that, that set of mechanics. So yeah, like you're, um, I mean, it, it plays itself almost with like a frog dissection level. There are so many different, you said body horror. There are so many different ways that you can kind of go with that. You're dissecting yourself or the frogs getting up. And then suddenly there's like a variety of like states of anatomical dummies and things that are like assaulting you. You need to like physically fend them off with like, I don't know, a microscope. And we get into like geometry and then it's like some non-Euclidean nightmare a la uh, antechamber that you're having to navigate your way through where, where nothing makes sense in the traditional way. Uh, and the only way you can do it is actually to construct geometric proofs, but you don't construct them in the conventional sense. It in fact means like navigating these spaces to find the proof pieces and plug them in in this non-Euclidean space so that it reassembles itself uh, into a sensible 3D space in yeah. order to actually finally escape like each part of the level and then the whole thing. Yeah. That'd be so cool. This would be, a, this would be a terrible game to have to develop, but man, and like the audience for it <laughs> might be kind of constrained uh, to people who are really open to like some pretty experimental games. Yeah. Uh, you, you could have uh, like English and it's just a bunch of like jabberwocks, like jabbering at you in, in sort of nonsense and you have to, cut through the noise and like reassemble the, the language. Reassemble the English language into something like remotely meaningful. Mm -hmm. I like it. I like it. And maybe it's like you can incorporate something on a, on a level like that where like you actually have to do it by cheating. Like you have to figure out how to get a, a hold of your cell phone, which keeps slipping away from you so that your friend can text you things. <laughs> and it's your only like anchor to real language to get through the level. And then you, you could have like recess and it, it literally is just like a peaceful sort of interlude where everything makes sense and is fine. And you can kind of re, you know, regain your, your sanity. Your yeah, motivation. absolutely. You slot one of these in every few levels, man, to make it really gnarly to develop, I keep coming back to this, but really interesting is like, what if that you've got like that sanity meter type of mechanic that carries over from level to level that uh, makes some things harder and some things easier. Yeah, like it opens out different options essentially. Um, so it, it, or like you know, it it could allow us to hide certain things in certain levels where it's like, only if you're pretty unhinged can you access certain outcomes in in certain levels, right? Mm -hmm. So like the kind of stuff that you have to accidentally discover, but then on that it motivates you to go for that second playthrough. Or honestly, in a in a game like this, I'm not sure that we'd want it to be, uh, you know. You, it might be a good idea to let people go back and revisit previous levels. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, wh what about uh, like shop class? Is it you have to design a vehicle to help you escape uh, and you have just the most rudimentary, like you have like Elmer's glue and like cardboard. Tube. You got terrible uh, tools. Yeah. Absolutely. You've got these terrible tools and parts that don't go together. And like the things that seem like they'd be good 
are like actually mostly the red herrings because they're like <laughs> they're too heavy or like too sharp or whatever right and so ultimately the only way to defeat this level is to actually make something super shitty yeah. but ultimately that level will be like a little bit of a physics engine right yeah i see physics playing in to to maybe all of them uh you know especially Certainly a lot of them traditional like three you know third person 3d kind of romp yeah i think a lot of this would be would be third person uh 3d but i think that it easily gives the opportunity to periodically just shove you into a ui that's completely different yeah um even if it's running on that on that same engine so you know yeah so like the pages of a, of a book yeah or uh yeah or like even in that context of what we were talking about, uh, the the poker table, like yeah, sure, it's developed in that in that three D engine. But that's mostly just for like the camera and positioning of the you know mm -hmm. of, of the models and everything. Because most of the mechanics for a level like that are are not being played out in three D with any kind of physics at all. Yeah. Whereas like other levels, like our um, geometry level, <laughs> it's like definitely is going to have to run on kind of uh, warping behaviors in a three D space so that things don't work the way that you expect them to. Yeah. Nice. Well, I think uh, I think I think we nailed it once again. Uh, That's a real yeah. gem for an absolutely atrocious title. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and yeah, that was uh, from Evil Panda Productions, Educational Assault Nightmare. Speaking of nightmares, there's nothing like waking up from them, which does not apply here because this was uh, like a good dream. Um, it was like a good dream, but even good dreams end. Indeed. Uh, so without further ado, Moses, thanks for being here this week on uh, on this episode. Absolutely, Paul. A pleasure as always. Absolutely. And thanks to all of our listeners out there uh, for listening to this week's episode of Paul and Moses Play. If you have a question, a comment or a submission, please email us at paulandmosesplay at gmail.com. We'll see you next week. And until then... Never, Never stop, stop playing! playing.